Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. Hello, my friends. We've got an entire episode lined up for you today, all about hormone testing. We've got a couple things going on this week. Big news. Uh, Your Hormone Revival enrollment opens on September 1st. So that is this Thursday. We always open it up to the wait list first. So get on the wait list. There's still time. Check your email Thursday morning. You'll have a coupon code to save $250 off of the cost. So that's a one-day sale, early bird special. So you can hit that on Thursday. So we've got that going on. And then this week is the final week to enroll in the Functional Nutrition Academy, our 14-month practitioner training program. Uh, So hit us up. If you are interested in that, you can apply via the application on the website, functionalnutritionacademy.com. And to enroll in your hormone revival, head to thefunctionalnutritionist.com forward slash Y-H-R. This episode is brought to you by our show sponsor, Organifi. If you're interested in hormonal health, I suggest you check out their Harmony Blend. It was specifically designed for PMS support to help balance out female hormones and to give you a little energy boost with the adaptogenic herbs that they use like Shatavari and maca. So it's a cacao and maca blend. I happen to love those two flavors together. So tasty. Uh, We also have ginger and turmeric added to the mix. So it's kind of like a spicy treat. Chase tree berries also featured, which is an herb that has been long shown to support female hormones. So I highly recommend that product. It's really tasty. Head to Organifi.com forward slash funk. So that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash funk or use code funk to save you 20% on any of your orders. All right, my friends, I have been waiting to record all morning because Scott was mowing the lawn. He just finished and our neighbor, our neighbor just started mowing the lawn. Um, so I don't, I think with the mic that I have, you can't hear it, but if you hear something in the background, it is what it is. We live on three acres. So you think I wouldn't be able to hear our, uh, neighbors mowing the lawn, but here we are. The name of today's game is hormone testing. We have had, have had a, an uptick in people asking about hormone testing, specifically how to get it and wanting to get their hormones tested through us without being an active client, kind of like looking for a la carte hormone testing because they're not able to get it with their provider. Obviously, I talk a lot about hormonal health. Uh, I talk about testing. And so I get why people are asking those questions. So I really want to take today to explain our approach to hormone testing, why we do the things the way that we do them, and answer a lot of your questions about hormone testing along the way. I have done lots of different episodes on hormone testing. So we'll link out to those. Um, I'll get into some detail here and also just kind of refer out if you want a deeper dive on some specifics. But I think it makes sense to start all the way up at the top and think about just our overall approach to health and healing in the human body, because I think that will give some insight into um, when we're looking to get our hormones tested, what's the best way to go about doing it. So we have one school of medicine, one school of healthcare, and that's really conventional medicine that says, okay, the body makes mistakes. We're kind of a a victim to circumstance or our body, our health, uh, can fall victim to circumstance, to the environment. 
And really we have the role of the healthcare provider, the role of the doctor to swoop in and fix it. And then we have another school, which is like naturopathic medicine. And the main tenant of that is the body has the ability to be healthy. The body has this innate capacity to heal. We have this profound belief in the body's capacity to be healthy and to heal. And so the job of the practitioner is really to help folks promote health and allow the body to do its thing. So when the body is not doing that, when the body isn't able to maintain homeostasis, like we've got lots of symptoms, we're not feeling well, we really have to ask the question, what's blocking it? Because yes, the body absolutely has the ability to heal itself. And there comes a certain point where the body becomes overwhelmed and may not be able to do that with the uh, obstacles in its way. And then we have functional medicine. And functional medicine is really similar, kind of built, I would say, on the back of naturopathic medicine with a a systems biology approach. So there's more of like a, a process to think through. And that is where lab testing can come into play because it's the functional lab testing that can help us determine, well, where are we supposed to be intervening? What are the specific obstacles and where can we intervene so we can bring the body back into optimal health, still trusting that the body has the ability to heal itself. At least this is, you know, kind of what functional medicine is supposed to be in my eyes. If we don't intervene early enough, the body can end up worse. And I I talked about this a few weeks ago where I was talking about taking a functional approach to lab testing, where we're using labs to essentially screen for optimal health rather than waiting for things to get bad first, right? We don't want to wait till things get to a disease state before we say, hey, maybe we should address this. So really the whole concept of functional of a functional medicine approach is to attempt to figure out the physical mechanisms or the physiological mechanisms of why somebody is experiencing what they're experiencing, their symptoms, their chief complaint, if you will. And then based off of the information that we glean uh, through conversation and lab testing, because I'm a big believer in not just skipping steps and jumping into the lab testing, then from there, we create very personalized and very specific interventions based on the individual to help bring them back into balance, bring them back to homeostasis, bring them back to optimal health. And I will say that the, the chief difference between a clinician, a practitioner who um, really approaches things in this true root cause way and gets people good results, gets people feeling better, has a robust wait list, has a thriving practice based on the results they're getting their clientele, and somebody who does not have all of these things is the critical thinking. It is the thought process that goes into all of this. So a really great example is thyroid labs. Um, I had a question submitted on Instagram that says, low T3, is low T3 a warning sign of impending hypothyroidism? So we can look at a thyroid panel and we can see that somebody has low or suboptimal T3 and we can deduce that this person has hypothyroidism. We can just take a very um, literal interpretation of that lab saying low T3, okay, this is hypothyroidism. Let's address the thyroid. However, we have to really think critically about thyroid physiology. So it really starts in the brain where the pituitary gland produces TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, and that thyroid stimulating hormone stimulates the thyroid gland to produce 
thyroid hormone in the form primarily of T4. And then our bodies have to take T4 and convert it over into T3. T3 is kind of widely known as active thyroid hormone. That's the thing that really is driving the whole, the whole metab- uh, metabolism show. So when we see low T3, this can absolutely contribute to hypothyroid symptoms, fatigue, brain fog, constipation, hair loss, dry skin, so on and so forth. But critical thinking has to come in and we have to ask the question, why is this happening? Is this really a primary thyroid issue? Is this an issue with the thyroid gland or is there something else going on here? And this is what I mean by a, a, like a systems approach and critical thinking, because we have to understand that T4, like I said, has to be converted over into T3. And there's so many things that can block this conversion process. So it can be dysbiosis in the gut. It can be a lot of stress. It can be imbalanced cortisol. It can be low DHEA. It can be blood sugar imbalance, insulin resistance, insulin signaling problems. It can be inflammation. There's a lot of different things that are going on in the body that can block this conversion from T4 into active thyroid hormone T3. And so a skilled, uh, experienced, and um, uh, comprehensive, let's say, practitioner who is willing to do this clinical thought process, who's willing to think critically, is going to back up a couple clicks and say, hmm, all right, let's figure out what might be blocking this conversion. Let's not just label this as a thyroid disorder and instead do a little bit of a deeper dive to investigate root causes of why this conversion isn't taking place. And so that is really what I mean by uh, critical thinking. We're not just looking at lab markers. We're also trying to interpret what those lab, lab markers mean in conjunction with one another and in conjunction with your unique context and your unique experience, your situation, your symptoms, et cetera. Um, So there's a big difference between protocol-based medicine, which would say, and this is true for functional medicine, by the way, which would say, oh, low T3, okay, here we go. We're going to do some thyroid support versus trying to understand the mechanism of why T3 is low in the beginning, in the first place, and address those things. I was listening to a lecture um, with Dr. Joseph Pizzorno. He is the founding president of Bastyr University, uh, like back in the 70s. He um, was the co-author or is the co-author of the textbook of natural medicine, first released in 1985. He's been at this for uh, a minute. And he was talking about how his son went to medical school, like conventional medical school. Um, uh, Dr. Pizzorno is a naturopath physician. And his son went to traditional medical school and he was fascinated by how algorithm driven it was. That's what he was saying. And that approach, as he was saying, really can work great. It can work great in certain settings like an ER. Um, But I think we can all agree it's probably not working so well when we think about preventative healthcare or chronic conditions. And so... I think the problem that I've been seeing in in kind of trying to sound the alarm on over the past year to two years is that we're attempting to apply the same algorithm approach with functional medicine. So this is what I'm talking about with like template medicine or protocol medicine. So by the way, this is all going to come into... (laughs) into hormone testing in just a second. I wanted to like set you up to understand why, right? Uh, so the way that we practice in my practice, and I would say the the reason that we're able to really get people results, the reason that we've been able to build a robust wait list is because um, we're not practicing algorithm care. We're not saying, oh, if this than this. It's not as simple as that. And so again, this is the way that we practice. This is also the way that I teach our students to practice in the Functional Nutrition Academy. It's a really, um, it's a mission of mine to kind of change, collectively change the way uh, that we're looking at this functional approach. Um, 
So an algorithm approach or a template approach or a protocol-based approach, everyone kind of gets treated the same, right? So you walk in the door and like everybody gets the same lab testing, um, irrespective of their unique symptoms. Um, Everyone's kind of put on a leaky gut protocol. Everyone's put on the same elimination diet. And it's not that that doesn't work. It's just that it doesn't work for a lot of people. And so it's like the same people that have been failed by the conventional model are now being failed by the quote unquote, I'm using air quotes here, functional model. So it's a really inefficient way to practice. And it's not what I'm trying to do in my practice. And it's not what I'm trying to do with our practitioner training in the Functional Nutrition Academy. So just testing hormones, just running a lab test for hormones, it may tell you that you do in fact have some type of imbalance, but it doesn't necessarily tell you why you have them. And so this is exactly why we don't run just lab tests for people. We wouldn't run just like a, a, a you know, a hormone test and then tell you the results. We actually need time and we need relationship to unpack those results. If we run, let's say, a Dutch test on you and we see that you have low cortisol, we have to talk about why you have low cortisol. We have to talk to you to understand why that might be the case. We can't just say, oh, low cortisol, we're going to give her some adrenal glandulars. Or low cortisol, it's definitely got to be a mitochondrial issue. Or low cortisol, oh, minerals, we've got a mineral problem. It, it's not as simplistic as that. We need to understand, is your low cortisol driven by under eating? Is it driven by uh, like an ongoing gut pathogen? Is, is it driven by stress? And if that's the case, where is your stress coming from? Is it, do you just have too much on your plate? Is it dietary stress? Is it your own thoughts and mindset? So you're like creating more stress in your head. I'm raising my hand. This is not a call out, by the way. I'm raising my hand as I say this. This is me. It me. Um, We have to take a look at your stress bathtub and understand like, do we need to widen the drain? You know, do you need more strategies in your life to reduce stress, to support your nervous system? Or do we have to turn down or even turn off the faucet, which is the stress coming into your life? Or do we have to do both? So running a hormone test isn't going to give us the answers to all of these questions. It's a phenomenal start. It's a phenomenal start. It's a way to uh, validate somebody's uh, symptoms. It's a way to say that, okay, yeah, there is some hormone imbalance going on, but it isn't enough to tell us where that hormone imbalance is coming from. And We need to know that if we want to take a true root cause approach, we have to understand. I always say we got to get to the root of the root of the root of the root. Got to pull it up by the roots, go all the way back. Um, And if we want to do this, then it requires more than just a lab test. We have to honor that a tenant of functional medicine is lifestyle and diet. So in order to truly support our clients with a true root cause approach, we have to uphold this tenant. And I see this is like almost like a, a, ste- a, a step being skipped when people are super excited to do the functional labs, to do the functional medicine. We want to just run the labs, skip the steps. But this is why your hormone revival is a three-month process. I've been running this for years. And I haven't been, you know, like it's always going to be three months. Um, maybe longer in the future. I don't even know. But we want to include all of the education. We want to include the practice and the tools to be able to explore these things, right? We can't skip steps and expect to get people good results. I just have not seen that happen. So if we don't have all of this established and we're just jumping right into hormone testing, it's like having data without context. And that's not really helpful. 
I actually wrote a blog. I will link to it. I know I wrote a blog. Like what year is this? It's a new one too. And it's entitled for nutritionists using functional lab test. Consider this first. So if you're a practitioner, definitely check this out. If you're not a practitioner, it still might be helpful for you to read through it. Um, but these are the exact questions that I ask myself to determine if someone is a good candidate for functional lab testing. And, um, one of them, one of the very first place I start is like, is the person already doing the basics or do we have to start there? But the last question that I ask in this article is, and I would say it's potentially the most important question before you start to order labs for your clients, do you know what to do with the information? I know that seems really obvious, but there is this rise in popularity of functional lab testing. And with it, we're also seeing uptick in, I would say, ill-equipped practitioners running these labs because interpreting lab data for hormones, that since that's the name of today's game, taking the lab data and then organizing it into an effective treatment protocol based on the human being behind the lab, that's a skill. That's an art form. And that really requires a lot of training. And I would say that the training goes beyond just like an introductory course or a master class. Um, if you're getting the bulk of your training from kind of like piecemeal master classes, like here, there, and everywhere, chances are your training is a lot of template medicine, right? It's it's kind of setting you up to address each imbalanced lab marker with a supplemental protocol. That's what I refer to as spot treating a lab. I don't think I made that up. I think I got that from somewhere. I just don't know where. It's a good one. Um, so we don't want to ever put ourselves in a position where we're spot treating a lab instead of treating the human being sitting in front of you. And so that's typically why just running labs especially if you don't have like a robust understanding of how to organize this data into a treatment protocol, it's not very effective uh, and it's not very sustainable because it doesn't address why the person got to these imbalances in the first place. And we're going to quickly interrupt this discussion to shout out one of our show sponsors. As a reminder, the support of our sponsors is what allows the Functional Nutrition Podcast to continue to pump out new content to you. So we always thank them. We hope that you support them too. When I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emeril Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens, and I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. And shout out to show sponsor Element. I'm so pumped to hear that you guys are digging this stuff. I knew you would. It's so freaking tasty. I did get a question about sodium. Somebody asked if I was concerned with the sodium content and the answer is not at all. In fact, that's why I sought out Element as my electrolyte drink of choice. Active athletes, especially during hot weather, can lose up to seven grams of sodium per day just through sweat alone. And in order to replete that, to replace that, we need both water and sodium so we can reestablish appropriate and proper hydration. Listen, it's summer here in New Hampshire. It's hot. I'm active. I like to do hot yoga. Honestly, on my hot yoga days, I actually double down on Element. I know many of you are active as well, so this is something that we really should be mindful of. Salt has been villainized. It's not the bad guy. We need salt. We need minerals. We need electrolytes. And if you want to do it in a yummy way, Element is your thing. So right now Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. So that's eight packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try the flavor, see what you like. 
and you can get it at drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal is only available through my link. You got to go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash funk. You also get a no questions asked refund. So try it risk-free. You're going to love it. Let's talk about our latest sponsor, Dry Farm Wines. This is truly a vision board partner. I've personally had a Dry Farm Wine subscription for years. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting wine is a health food, but joy certainly is. And personally, for me, there's just something about cooking a healthy meal with some music and my family and having a glass of wine. It's just Honestly, it's one of my favorite experiences, but unfortunately, I started to react really harshly to wine a few years back. Now, we talk a lot on this show about processed foods, but what I actually did not know and didn't understand at the time is that wine can be extremely processed as well, which is why it can make you feel like trash even when you're only drinking a glass or two. There are 76 additives that are legally approved for use in winemaking. So this include dyes, thickeners, and GMO yeast. And so many of my clients have yeast uh, allergies and yeast sensitivity. So it makes sense that wine makes us feel not so great. And the top 20 wines sold in the U.S., contain high levels of sugar. And we know that sugar can make us feel not so great. So I actually found out about Dry Farm Wines on a podcast a few years back, and I was stoked because they use, um, it's organically, biodynamically grown, it's sugar-free, low alcohol, and they source wines from small family growers, all of whom make their wine by hand. And supporting these family vineyards really helps to preserve the healthy soil, the biodiversity, and support natural farming practices. So if you're like me and you want to have some wine without feeling horrible, check out Dry Farm Wines. For Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners, they are offering an extra bottle in your first box for a penny. They can't give it away for free because it's alcohol. So make sure you head to dryfarmwines.com forward slash Funk to sign up for your first box. You get free shipping delivered straight to your door, and I hope you enjoy. So I know it's kind of speaking to practitioners there for a second, but also um, if, you know, as a consumer, this is something that you want to be mindful of, and it's a little tricky uh, because not all functional providers provide in the same way. And so we want to make sure that if we do want to get functional lab testing done, if we do want to take a closer look at our hormones, if we do want to take a root cause approach to this hormone imbalance, that we're working with somebody that can really um, help us. Um, And I wish I had like a checklist to run through for you to be like, hire these people. I would say hire, only hire Functional Nutrition Academy graduates. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, although it would be a safe bet, would be a good bet. But I'm I'm obviously joking about that. Um, but I would say like a, a red flag is um, anyone who's kind of like putting the same approach. Like if they're running the same exact labs on every single person, or they're doing like the same protocol on every single person, or it's kind of like the one thing practice is what I refer to it. It's like everything is like this one thing. It all comes back to mitochondria. It all comes back to mold. It all comes back to minerals. It It's sometimes like, I'm very grateful to have specialists in certain departments to like refer people out to, but like sometimes when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So this is what you're usually looking for when somebody walks in the proverbial door and you might miss up. I'm thinking of a client I had who went to this prominent functional medicine clinic and the practitioner before ordering labs was like, you have estrogen dominance, like you have it. I mean, it's a safe bet because a lot of women in modern day are walking around with some degree of estrogen dominance. So it's a pretty safe bet. But if you're flagging and tagging every single person that walks through the door as estrogen dominance, that can be a problem because you can, you know, you can miss stuff and not everybody has it. And so this provider went as far to order up a bunch of labs, including hormone labs, and really like great hormone labs. I'm going to talk about my favorite ways to test hormones. Um, he did all the, the quote unquote right things, 
But the labs, when they came back, nothing, nothing indicated estrogen dominance. But he was still like, he was still going hard with estrogen dominance and created a treatment protocol based on this estrogen dominant picture that he had flagged and tagged her with the second he walked in the door. So the other thing, this is why I say this can be a red flag if everyone's taking kind of like the same protocol, irrespective of what the labs say. Like, what's the point of running labs if you're just going to throw them away and be like, eh, it's estrogen dominance? Um, and in fact, the, the, what he recommended um, as a treatment strategy would have made her feel a lot worse based on her labs. So just be mindful. Um, just be mindful of that as a consumer. and. One of my mentors said, if you're not willing to do the clinical thought process of working through stuff, then functional medicine isn't for you. Uh, Critical thinking, discernment, individualization really should be the hallmarks of a great functional provider. Um, This is literally how we train practitioners in the Functional Nutrition Academy. It's why I built it years, a couple years ago, because this is, it was missing. I think there's a, there's a disconnect here. but be mindful of this when you're looking to work with a functional uh, provider. And really, this is all like a very long-winded way of saying that I don't love to just order up labs for people because it isn't the way, it's a little bit out of alignment and out of integrity with the way that I approach the human body in health. So very long-winded answer, but I hope that you gleaned some little nuggets uh, from that from that conversation. So let's switch gears and talk more specifically. Like, let's say you are a good candidate for your uh, for getting your hormones tested. Um, what would that look like? Uh, and what <laughs> I think everyone has a little bit of a different idea of what we're we're talking about when we say hormones. I think a lot of folks kind of think about our reproductive hormones, like the estrogens and the testosterones and the progesterones, and those are hormones, but we also have like oodles of other hormones. So we have the sex and reproductive hormones. We have thyroid hormones. We have glycemic, uh, hormones, um, like insulin, um, for example, and we have adrenal hormones, things like cortisol, DHEA. So those are all be considered hormones. And uh, somebody had asked, so I'm going to kind of pick through, weave the questions that were submitted into, into this conversation. What would be, like, how do I know that I should get my hormones tested? Or like, what would be signs that I need to test hormones? So I'm just going to kind of pick through some symptoms and signs. Um, so you can start to understand, like, are my symptoms, like could they be traced back to hormone imbalance? So adrenal and sex hormone imbalance might look like low energy, fatigue, you're just exhausted and burnt out, or you're tired and wired. You catch that second wind of energy at night and you have a hard time. Even though you're exhausted, you're like, I can't sleep. So frustrating. Uh, Brain fog, low sex drive. If you have period issues, just issues around your period. So you like heavy bleeding, um, clotting, significant pain and cramping, just really painful PMS, breast tenderness, fibroids, cystic ovaries, um, any issues with your cycle. So irregular periods or short cycles or long cycles. If you have uh, more symptoms that kind of come and go cyclically, like cyclical uh, anxiety, migraines, headache, irritability, and you notice that they flare at different times, like maybe around ovulation or after ovulation or after menstruation, like you just notice that there's a little bit of a rhythm to the the uptick in these particular symptoms. Um, chronic headaches, low blood pressure can be a sign of hormone imbalance, weight retention, especially around your middle can be a sign. And then we have thyroid symptoms as well, because our thyroid hormones are hormones. We can see fatigue and low energy with this picture as well. Fatigue, low energy, just like sluggishness, overall feeling slow, muscle aches, joint pain, memory concentration issues, uh, low mood, depression, anxiety, constipation can be a big one with hypothyroid where everything's just slowed down, low body temperature, feeling cold all of the time, dry, itchy skin or dry hair or your hair's falling out, um, even eyebrow hair. So you can lose the outer third of your eyebrows with hypothyroidism commonly. So those could be signs that maybe there is some hormone tomfoolery afoot. Now, 
let's say you're like, yes, I have these symptoms. I've kind of acknowledged that there's probably some hormone imbalance going on. I went to my provider. I asked them to test my hormones or my thyroid or both. And all labs came back normal. This is a question that was submitted a few times. Like, what do you do if all of your labs are normal? And this is a tricky one. It's a tricky one to answer because it really depends on what hormones were tested, how they were tested, what markers were run. So maybe they were looking at thyroid, but it wasn't really a thyroid issue. Maybe it was a a sex hormone issue or a adrenal hormone issue. And they're like, your hormones are fine. Um, how they were tested. We'll talk about that, like kind of like best practices for testing and then what markers were run. So again, using the thyroid example, if somebody's just running a TSH, we might not get all of the information, right? If the testing is incomplete or it's the wrong test for the job, you might end up with normal results, even though your endocrine physiology is not optimal. So that is something to keep in mind. So let's talk about ways that you can test hormone because that was another question, like what's the best ways to test hormone? Um, And I don't want to sound discouraging, but it's the truth. Uh, There really is no one perfect test to get the entire picture. So that's a little frustrating, I know, because wouldn't it be easy if they're just like, oh, just get this one test. That's all you need. what we do in your hormone revival, we use a combination of serum, which is blood draw, serum, saliva, so through your spit, and then urine. We use a combination of all three just so we can get the most comprehensive and well-rounded results. Um, and then, of course, you need somebody to be able, it's not just about getting the labs done, it's also having somebody be able to pull all the information together in combination with your symptoms saying like, hey, does this data actually back up how you're feeling? Um, Does this make sense given what's going on in your life? Like what could be driving this? So there are certain hormones that we really can only test through the blood. So thyroid hormones, all of that is a blood test. Uh, Glycemic, like blood sugar, insulin, all of that is done through blood. Uh, Sex hormone binding globulin, FSH, LH, prolactin, all of those are really done through blood and through serum. DH, like so, our sex hormones, uh, progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, uh, DHEA, all of those are done through blood, and um, that's kind of still the gold standard. But stick a pin in that because I'm going to come back to that in a little bit. But point is, you can you can get a lot of data, you can get a lot of information through blood. Now for cortisol, this is what I hear from a lot of people: is like, oh, I got my cortisol tested; it was normal. If it's a blood cortisol test, I'm like, eh, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. Blood uh, Testing your cortisol through serum, through blood, is not the best reflection of what's going on. It doesn't show the diurnal pattern, for one. That's just really our 24-hour cycle of uh, cortisol. Um, cortisol levels change throughout the day, so we get like a nice spike in the morning, and then it should really slowly taper off. Um, so it's, it's on the lower side before we go to sleep. So if somebody sends me a, um, blood markers for cortisol, it's it's like the high and low is a little bit irrelevant just because, you know, we're not, we're not able to see that diurnal pattern plotted out through the day. So that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is that when we're measuring hormones, in blood, um, we're measuring protein-bound hormones, and so not necessarily a bad thing. Just something to keep in mind: um, hormones that are scooting around in the bloodstream, like in circulation, are bound to a protein, and really they need to become free before they can get into the tissue and do something. So, for cortisol, I think it's great to be able to see the free hormone. And that's where saliva can come into play. There's no binding protein in saliva. So we really have a direct measure of free cortisol. Saliva is also the uh, the way to show our cortisol awakening response. So I've talked about that a bunch on the show, but our cortisol awakening response is this big surge of cortisol that we get as soon as we wake up, as soon as light enters our eyes. And this is so important for energy, for um, our mood, for pain, for, uh, did I say immune? 
immune or immune health, autoimmunity. If this is low, if we're not getting that spike, we kind of feel like trash in the morning. And so the way to test that is through saliva. But for cortisol, saliva isn't the best marker for overall production. That's really where urine comes in because urine, we get to see the metabolites, we get to see cortisone. And so um, for cortisol specifically, I really like a combination of saliva and urine. Both of those together are kind of a, a nice slam dunk to give us a full picture. Now for other hormones, I like a combination of serum and urine just kind of depends on the hormone. So thyroid, like I said, thyroid, blood sugar, some inflammatory markers, we're looking through the blood. Um, DHEA, uh, our estrogens, our progesterone, our testosterone, the gold standard is blood still, but it's not always contextualized, especially with our estrogens and progesterone, because those are on a cycle too, right? So we need to you know, whoever's testing hormones through blood really needs to know where you are at in your cycle because that really matters. It's not just as simple as saying, oh, I have high estrogen or I have low estrogen. I have high progesterone or I have low progesterone. It's like, well, at what point in the cycle? So um, my, you know, I, I've said this before, this is not a shock to anybody. The way my personal um, preference for looking at these hormones is through dried urine testing with the Dutch test, because we're not just looking at the levels of the hormones. We're also looking at what are the hormones doing? Where are they going? How are they being metabolized? And this can give us a lot of really great data. So I had a question that came in, um, in response to last week's episode on endometriosis. And she wrote, as someone who seems to like to grow large cysts, can hormone testing help with this? Absolutely. Estrogen is a, like it's a build hormone. It's a, it's a growth hormone. It contributes to growth, like tissue growth. So when we're looking, let's say at a Dutch test, we can see estrogen levels. We can see progesterone levels. So that helps us to kind of like know the balance of these two hormones. I mean, estrogen is more than just, you know, we have different types of estrogen. But for the purpose of today's show, I'm just using estrogen as a catch-all term, right? So we can see the different levels of estrogen in relation to progesterone, but we can also see which pathway you're favoring for your estrogen clearance. There are three different pathways in the liver that we can essentially like push our estrogen through and down. And a couple of them are more proliferative. So if you're favoring a more proliferative pathway, this is really relevant information because there are tools that we can use to shift over to a more protective pathway. And so especially for somebody who has um, a lot of those estrogen symptoms like cysts or fibroids or heavy bleeding or clotting, um, this is really, really relevant information. Um, the Dutch also includes organic acid markers. So we can, we test organic acids through our urine. Um, these, they're metabolites that kind of spill out into the urine. And one of the things that we look for specifically on the Dutch test is a screen for uh, toxins, for oxidative stress, which can kind of be a nod to toxin exposure in some cases. With your hormone revival, we're also looking at blood markers for body load, um, just like body burden, toxin exposure. And these things can really impact endometriosis since we're talking about that, but other hormones as well. Um, remember how I was talking about like with hormone imbalance, we also want to get to kind of like the root cause of that hormone imbalance and environmental toxicants, uh, exposure to certain, in, um, chemicals in the environment can absolutely muck up our hormones. And so we we're trying to throw in when we're looking at your hormone revival, uh, when we're looking at labs, we're, we're not just looking at, oh, is this person, does this person have hormone imbalance? But like, where's that imbalance coming from? You know, like what's going on here? Um, I'm just going to throw this out because I know I do have providers that listen to the show. Um, Dutch test recently added on a few new organic acid markers, which is exciting. One of them is indican, and that can be an indication uh, to look to the gut. It can be an indication of gut dysbiosis, of overgrowth in the gut. We know that tomfoolery in the gut can certainly contribute to hormone imbalance, uh, 
it works both ways though. You know, our, what's happening at the neuroendocrine level can really impact the gut too. So just keep that in mind. But what I would say is, um, I would not treat the gut based on this one marker alone. This is a little bit of a, of like a call out to folks. Um, use it as an indication that you may need to look at the gut, but I wouldn't just put somebody on a, um, an antimicrobial protocol, like a gut kill protocol, uh, based on this one marker alone. I've done a lot of organic acid testing in the past. And what I will say is that I don't always consistently see this marker pair up with, um, stuff that needs to be treated on a stool test is what I'll say. And I say this because I'm kind of like <laughs> trying to preserve our microbiome as best in it as I can. And I think we are just collectively as like a functional medicine, functional nutrition, um, collective, uh, we are dramatically over treating the gut. And I'm just seeing like new and eager clinicians not understanding the long-term dramatic effects that their protocols might have on the microbiome. So that is my one, like <laughs> my one thing, like I'm stoked that they're adding more markers, um, on this lab. I think it's awesome. Uh, let's just use it as a gentle nod that we should be looking to the gut versus saying, Oh, I'm going to develop a whole kill protocol based on this one marker. Okay. And if you are not a clinician, but you've had a Dutch test, that is something to keep in mind too. Uh, don't let your provider necessarily just throw you on a bunch of antimicrobial herbs based on one marker. Okay, let's go. Um, somebody had asked, is retesting recommended? And if so, when? Um, I'm kind of like, you know, yes and no on this one. I tend to run... Um, hormone, I mean, excuse me, labs on myself, like once a year, once every year and a half, just to kind of keep, keep a beat on how I'm doing. I'm feeling pretty good. I want to stay feeling pretty good. I like to see that, uh, my labs look good too. Um, having said that, I don't usually, unless somebody's really struggling with symptoms, I'm not usually saying like, oh, you got to test your hormones. So if you've tested, you've intervened based on the test, you've worked with somebody, you're feeling better. You might not need to test. I wouldn't say that everyone's going to agree with that statement. That's usually what I kind of, uh, what I kind of think, um, where I would say that, you know, you want to think about, retesting. Um, how do I say this? I would say, don't expect to see changes with a hormone protocol, unless that protocol is addressing underlying causes of hormonal imbalance. Um, like if you're compulsively working 14 hours a day, <laughs> your cortisol, your DHEA may be trashed, right? It may be shot to shit. And you can take all the DHEA supplementation in the world. You can take all of the uh, adaptogens in the world, but unless you address your addiction to work and to stress, those supplements aren't really going to help you rebound things on their own. And I say that because if you're like, gosh, I tested my hormones, I did the protocol, I retested the hormones, I'm not feeling any better, or my labs haven't improved, there may not have been a deep enough dive, right? There might be underlying things and factors that need to be addressed. Like I said, a tenant of a root cause approach is lifestyle. It's diet right? It's movement. It is our mindset. It is stress. It's all those foundational basics. So those really have to be addressed, uh, in order to truly, um, have like profound changes in our hormone health. I think we, a lot of us just kind of expect the quickness of a drug. Like I'll, you know, I think about your hormone revival. If somebody's not feeling like a hundred percent better in a month, they'll be like, Oh, is something wrong? It's like, no, <laughs> Sometimes, sometimes it just takes a little bit of a, of a, of a, a while to allow the body to rebuild, restore, and recalibrate. And that's okay. Right. Um, our hormones don't just like bounce back within two weeks of starting like a new supplement. So just kind of keep that in mind. Um, the last question, this is a fun one. Somebody wrote in where to start if doctors refuse to test because quote unquote, you're young, don't be hysterical. 
I got to know, like, did somebody actually say that to you? Because <laughs> I would have flipped a table, like straight up Teresa Judiced that doctor's office. Um, we, we all know the roots of the word hysteria, right? It's from, it has Greek and Latin roots, like kind of meaning uterus or of the womb or suffering of the womb. So it's basically like a way to be like, oh, they're a little bit neurotic. They're a little bit crazy because they've got that uterus thing going on. <laughs> so what I would probably do is say, well, if you're telling me I'm neurotic, but my neurosis is coming from my uterus, let's test that shit, shall we? Let's do that. Um, and unfor- I mean, I, I jest somewhat, but I also, this is why I created your hormone revival. This is a big part of it. Um, so you actually have access to appropriate testing without being gaslit for wanting to get the test done. You know, like that, I just, I don't understand the, I mean, I do understand it because, you know, we don't need to go into insurance and all that jazz, but, um, but I think that if somebody wants to have an evaluation of their health, they should have access to an evaluation of their health and all of the education to understand exactly what's going on with your hormones in your body, right? And then with YHR, so you're not only getting the testing, you're not only getting the education, but you also get to meet with somebody one-on-one to talk through all of this. And then we have weekly nervous system practices so we can start to, because, you know, this isn't just stuff that we have to learn in our head. This is stuff that we have to actually like practice and like live and embody. And so our weekly Sunday sessions allow us to do that, um, to begin to repair and rebalance your endocrine system. So you can balance your hormones and feel good again. So that was it. Those are all of the questions. I hope that this was helpful. I know, um, I know it was a little bit of a roundabout way to answer this question, but I wanted folks to have like a thorough understanding of why we take the approach to hormone testing that we do. And hopefully this gives you um, some things to think about if you are looking to get your hormones tested. All right, my friends, everybody be well. I'll check you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.